Coming up on We Talk News This Week, the DOJ tells the Supreme Court to back off rulings on current cannabis cases. Could there be federal reform on the horizon? The DEA allows federal weed to be grown for research as Bright Green Corporation bucks the bear market and their stock soars. Canadian company Canopy Growth makes an acquisition. Woody Harrelson opens an L.A. cannabis social club. And MJ Unpacked in New York gets underway in the Big Apple. All that and more on We Talk News next. Cannabis Media original content is supported by Salient Systems, your trusted name in video surveillance for the cannabis industry, and by Revolutionary Clinics, Massachusetts' number one medical dispensary where the patient comes first, and by Accounting Buds, CPA services for the cannabis industry, and by Stylighting.shop. Log on today to get your grow kit. We are Pro Cannabis Media. Hi everyone, welcome to Weed Talk News. I'm Alina Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. Hot off the press, Democratic lawmakers have just spent their efforts at a federal hearing urging Congress to make it easier for people to get pardoned for cannabis. The group, including Jerry Nadler, said streamlining applications for pardons could help address mass incarceration and allow more Americans access to jobs, housing, and education. Meanwhile, the Justice Department is now telling the U.S. Supreme Court to back off cases concerning cannabis. The department's message seems to acknowledge the seeming inevitability that cannabis matters will be resolved legislatively as Congress continues to consider proposals to federally legalize the plant. Vote Pro Podcast, Phil Adams takes a closer look at what's happening on Capitol Hill this week. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, here with the Weed Talk News DC report. State regulators are telling Congress that cannabis banking reform is a matter of public safety. The nonpartisan Cannabis Regulators Association sent a letter to congressional leaders explaining how denying cannabis companies the same access to financial services that every other industry enjoys impacts not only the businesses, but the regulators themselves. Among their chief areas of concern, is cannabis businesses being forced to operate on a cash-only basis, making them targets for crime. The letter cites recent examples of violent robberies that have occurred at dispensaries in several states. The letter goes on to describe how the problem is impacting the very agencies regulating cannabis, saying, quote, even CANRA, an organization comprised entirely of government officials, has faced challenges in acquiring financial services because we have cannabis in our name. In a related story, Representative Earl Blumenauer, who has championed the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, expressed a measure of optimism this week about the likelihood of banking reform finally passing both houses of Congress. This comes as lawmakers are meeting in conference to resolve the differences between the House-passed America Competes Act, which includes banking reform, and the Senate U.S. Innovation and Competition Act, which does not. Blumenauer said, quote, I think there's an opportunity to finally get this across the finish line. 
The Department of Justice is urging the Supreme Court to decline review of a case concerning workers' compensation for medical cannabis. The DOJ filed an amicus brief with the court recommending that the matter be addressed instead by Congress and or the executive branch. The case involves workers in Minnesota who had sought compensation for medical cannabis from their employers after being injured on the job. The question before the high court is whether the Federal Controlled Substances Act preempts a state law requiring private businesses to pay for the medicine. The Minnesota Supreme Court ruled that it did and that the companies were not obligated to pay. Plaintiffs in the case argued that because employers don't actually possess or distribute the cannabis themselves, simply compensating employers does not violate federal law. The DOJ brief argues that for states to compel third parties to subsidize federal crimes would amount to overriding congressional intent. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. Florida-based Bright Green Corporation making big moves. The company says it's been given conditional approval from the DEA to grow cannabis for research purposes. Bright Green is also making history as the first plant-touching company to trade on a major U.S. exchange. Our own Jimmy Young and Deborah Borchardt have more in this week's Green Market Report live from MJ Unpacked in the newly green state of New York. Jimmy. Thank you, Elena Pinto. As we continue here on We Talk News, I'm Jimmy Young at the MJ Unpacked convention here at Hilton in Midtown, New York. Now, I am not a big fan of New York City. However, when you come to New York City, who better to hang out with than Deborah Borchardt of the Green Market Report? Hi, Deborah. Hey, good Thank to see you here in our city, our fine, fine city. So where do I go for dinner tonight? No, we'll talk about that later. I'm only kidding. Uh, we laugh because we can, but there are some very serious big stories in the world of cannabis business news one coming out of Florida and New Mexico with federal implications. Can you take us through what happened with this uh, uh, traded, publicly traded company that the federal government supposedly has approved? Right. So it's a company called Bright Green, and they began trading this week on the NASDAQ. And if a lot of our viewers know, a lot of American cannabis companies aren't allowed to trade on the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange because they say cannabis is still federally illegal. Now, this company said, well, we're going to have an agreement with the DEA to grow cannabis and sell it for research. So the NASDAQ thought, well, okay, that means it's going to be legal cannabis. So they said, sure, you can go on and trade. Now, this was a direct listing, which meant they came to the exchange with their investors already lined up. Now, what was interesting about this situation is that the company has no revenue. They have no existing cultivation facilities, so they have no product. Um, they have about a million dollars in cash, but they need 76 million to build this cultivation facility. Everyone that's in the company is from the automotive industry. They have zero cannabis experience. So it's just, it's just kind of odd. odd all the way around. And then on top of that, the insiders are not, um, they don't have restricted stock, which usually a company will tie up that stock for a while so that they don't just sell it right away. 
and in this situation, they don't, they can sell it right away. And the stock actually was doing really well, so it's a little scary about that. Well, I think that's why that story stuck out to me, is because every other story you hear about the stock market this week is, it's blown up, it's horrible, I heard from my broker today, I mean, they're a little freaked out out there, and then here's this story that is a better story sizzle than a company that went public. I think that a lot of media did not look a little further into the story. They just saw the headline and the presser that said, hey, this cannabis company is trading on NASDAQ. Isn't this a great thing? It's a big deal. And it would be a big deal if it was a legitimate company. But I feel like it's, I don't want to say it's a pump and up, but I feel like it's got the leanings of that because, again, they have no cannabis. They've not grown any cannabis. They're saying that they're going to have their first harvest two months after building the cultivation facility, which anybody in cannabis is going to say two months, it's impossible. So how so, did they deal with the DEA? How did they get anything? So the DEA actually has several contracts with companies to grow cannabis for them. Uh, as most people that have followed cannabis knows that the University of Mississippi was the first and only place for many, many years. Well, they expanded that program. But right now, this company only has a memorandum of agreement so they don't have an actual contract and they won't until they have actual product that is in an approved facility a little little bit uh the cart before the horse there better sizzle sell than than substance yeah i would say there's a lot of spin in that press release and not a lot of meat right. well we're going to find out what happens um not to put you on the spot but are there any other maybe one or two little tidbits from the business world you want to share before I toss it back to Elena? Well, we did have a lot of big companies report earnings this week. And what I will say, I won't go into all of them, but I did see a trend in that we saw a lot of these companies had revenues in the first quarter that fell from the fourth quarter. So we saw that dip. And then they're all saying that things are already looking great for the second quarter. Their numbers versus last year's first quarter were very good. So I'm, I'm starting to feel that we're starting to get into a traditional retail cycle where you've got stuff going on in the second quarter. You got 420, third quarter's 4th of July, fourth quarter's Thanksgiving and Christmas, first quarter, not a whole lot. So I think that that's why we're seeing these sales dip in the first quarter from the fourth. I'm not super concerned about that, but I just, I've just seen this trend. I think it's just interesting to, to follow. She's Deborah Borchard from the Green Market Report, always looking for those trends. I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media, reporting live from MJ Unpacked in New York. Let's go back to Elena with We Talk News. The Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission reporting this week that licensed retailers across the Bay State have now sold more than $3 billion worth of legal recreational cannabis products since sales launched. Clearly a high jump happening in Massachusetts when you consider the $2 billion mark for sales was just crossed eight months ago. Here's Ron Marshallsey with more from the Bay State this week. I'm Ron Marshallsey for Weed Talk News. This is the Massachusetts Cannabis Report. The Massachusetts House voted overwhelmingly on Wednesday to approve major reforms to the state's marijuana laws. 
The bill, which had a 153-2 vote in favor of it, according to Boston.com, has the changes that would allow cities and towns to opt in to hosting marijuana cafes, steer a significant chunk of state pot tax revenue to equity applicants trying to get their small cannabis businesses off the ground, crack down on controversial local fees charged to marijuana operators while easing their state tax burden, and make it easier for former defendants to wipe away old marijuana charges. And on the same day these reforms were passed by the House, state officials reported Massachusetts adult-use marijuana sales have officially surpassed $3 billion since the market launched in 2018. The CCC also noted that it's only been eight months since the state reported sales had exceeded $2 billion. And the official 420 sales numbers from the CCC were $5,986,186 in marijuana sales on that one day alone, which was a little over a million dollars more than last year. And finally, actor Sasha Baron Cohen has dropped his lawsuit that was filed last year against a Bay State dispensary that used an image of his character Borat on a billboard without his permission. Cohen and his company were seeking $9 million in damages, but a document filed in Boston Federal Court on Tuesday said the two sides have agreed to dismiss the case. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For We Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsee. Actor and well-known stoner Woody Harrelson has opened the doors to a new cannabis business in West Hollywood. The Woods is the name of the new venture, which comedian Bill Maher and interior designer Thomas Scoos are partners of. The Woods includes a retail dispensary, delivery outlet, on-site consumption lounge, as well as a bar and restaurant. Things haven't been so glamorous, though, for other cannabis companies in the Golden State, but Governor Gavin Newsom has announced revisions to his newest budget proposal, the revisions aim to temporarily reduce taxes and simplify the tax structure for cannabis companies, as well as put money toward local governments to help expand retail. Christopher Smith from the American Cannabis Report has more in our California report. Greetings from the center of the cannabis universe. I'm Christopher Smith, and this is the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. California Governor Gavin Newsom is playing three-card Monty with cannabis taxes in an effort to appear that he's trying to fix things. See if you can follow this budgetary sleight of hand. He's proposing to eliminate the grower's tax, but shift the distributor tax to the retailers, backfill any temporary tax gap with up to $150 million from the general fund, in addition to the $100 million he already put back into the industry to fix the regulatory mess, and raise the excise tax from 15% to 19% if none of this works. All of this instead of taking the advice of the Reason Foundation, which found that if we just eliminate the cultivator tax, just that, it would increase sales so much that tax revenues would double in 18 months. But hey, why do things the sensible way? As we have reported here week after week, many of California's small legacy cannabis growers who built California's reputation for the world's greatest cannabis flower are in trouble. They're facing wholesale price collapse, stupidly high taxes that are like catnip for a banging illicit market, and no way to compete against the larger operators in the state's volatile wholesale marketplace. You think it's the end for these brave farmers? Not so fast, Baba Louie. 
Justin Calvino has set out to bring larger margins back to the state's smaller farms with the launch of Emerald Road, a cryptocurrency exclusive blockchain backed e-commerce platform. Emerald Road allows consumers to interact directly with farmers and purchase product for delivery through Organic Kind, a licensed cannabis delivery service, all throughout the state. Boy, are we resilient, Calvino said, patting himself on the back vigorously. We're just reinventing ourselves every day. The mayor of London, England, Sadiq Khan, has more than a few problems in his hometown, but he's open to the novel idea that one big dumb problem is that cannabis is illegal. Like virtually everywhere in the world, when people want something, they're going to figure out how to get it. And no amount of finger wagging or politician posturing or law enforcement is going to stop them. Ever. Khan says the illegal drugs trade causes huge damage to our society and we need to do more to tackle this epidemic and further the debate around our drugs laws. That's why I'm here today in Los Angeles to see firsthand their approach and to see the approach they've taken for cannabis. In support of the idea, Sophie Linden, who is London's deputy mayor for policing and crime, said the move is vital as it reduces the harm and misery caused by illegal drugs and the illegal drugs industry in London. And I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing you the straight dope on California tax tricks, new farmers website clicks, and London mayor looking for a drug war fix for We Talk News. Something new could be brewing down south. Reports out of Louisiana claim that the state Senate Health and Welfare Committee is considering a bill to move regulation of medical cannabis from the state agriculture department to the health department. It would also allow existing dispensaries to open satellite locations. So sticking with the South, let's check in with Heather Allman to see what's happening in Florida this week. It's time for the weekly Florida report from We Talk News. And this week I'm not in Florida. I'm in Iowa visiting my parents. But as you can see, I'm still Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. In fantastic news this week, Miami has finally issued its first medical cannabis dispensary license, only six years after Florida legalized medical cannabis. According to NBC6, Miami officials voted three to two to award the license to the city's first dispensary, MRC44. The dispensary sued the city over its failure to license any dispensaries, as we previously reported. Commissioner Manolo Reyes opposed the approval, commenting that a clear distinction needs to be made between medical and recreational. And on the flip side, Commissioner Ken Russell, who voted in favor of the approval, thinks an alternative form of pain medication is crucial. Although this is Miami's first medical dispensary, there are 425 other licensed dispensaries throughout the state. A Floridian is moving on up in the world of cannabis, that is. Flora Growth announced the appointment of regulatory veteran Holly Bell as Vice President of Regulatory Affairs. Flora Growth is a leading all-outdoor cultivator, manufacturer, and distributor of global cannabis products and brands. And Holly Bell will play a critical role in the company's domestic and global expansion strategy, as well as government relations in key international markets. Most recently, Bell was the first director of Canvas for the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, and she helped create the first commercial hemp program in Florida and developed extensive educational resources about that program. At Flora, Bell will oversee the regulatory strategy that supports the advancement of their cultivation and pharmaceutical programs, including the company's regulatory submissions and interactions with global authorities. 
She will also look to develop another curriculum educating university students, companies, and governments about the business of cannabis. This week, Vera Hill, the nation's leading facilitator of medical cannabis cards, reasserted its commitment to the Florida medical cannabis market by partnering with over 20 healthcare locations in the Sunshine State. This move will help more than 1 million Americans who depend on Vera Hill for medical cannabis education, advocacy, and increased accessibility, all of which can help reduce the challenges patients face when trying to meet a healthcare professional that is geographically inconvenient. Since 2017, Barry Hill has helped Floridians gain access to medical cannabis while contributing to the state's medical cannabis program and philanthropic community by donating a portion of the proceeds to Quality Florida Action, Regulate Florida, and Florcan. They want the new partnerships to encourage lawmakers to remove some of the barriers around telemedicine, among other priorities. About the development, CMO Anthony Dutcher said, Quote, Vera Hill is invested in Florida, and we want to ensure a high quality of care and advocacy for our patients. That's a wrap for the We Talk News Florida Report. I'm Heather Rahman with Cannabis Law Report, and next week I'll be back in Florida. State police in Michigan say they are seeing more people grow and sell black market cannabis, particularly on the west side of the state. The agency's Marijuana Tobacco Investigation Section got 400 tips last year that led to illegal cannabis investigations, a number they say has been increasing annually for the past four years. So with that, let's check in with Michigan Normal Executive Director Rick Thompson. Hello again. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Well, there's been a lot of media in Michigan recently about children who've eaten foods created with THC. A woman near Flint is being charged with second-degree child endangerment for a schoolhouse incident regarding her daughter and some homemade gummies kept in a freezer. Now, the Cannabis Regulatory Agency has proactively reissued a set of guidelines from 2021 regarding packaging and child-friendly cannabis containers. Michigan's regs regarding cannabis packaging in the medical and adult use markets is some of the most strict in the nation, yet a survey of dispensary shelves reveals a ton of cannabis packages which are not in compliance with the regulatory agency's rules. The CRA promises a crackdown on cartoon images, pictures of candy or fruit, and designs which mimic popular children's food packaging. To date, the CRA has mandated using stickers to cover up the areas of non-compliance with individual packages, but penalties and sanctions are around the corner for companies which design and order packaging which does not conform to Michigan's regulations. Well, the nation's oldest testing laboratory is expanding to Michigan. Steep Hill Labs touts on their website that they opened the first commercial cannabis laboratory in 2008 in California. Their Michigan operation is open and operates on the west side of Ann Arbor and just received their ISO IEC accreditation. Also new to Michigan, Method Man's new cannabis line of products. The legendary rapper and Wu-Tang Clan member has launched the Sweet Island Skunk Strain as part of its TCAL product line. TCAL stands for Taking Into Consideration All Lives. And Methods product is being launched in association with the glorious cannabis company from Rochester Hills. And not here yet, but coming soon, is a cannabis line from famed Detroit boxing champion Thomas the Hitman Hearns. His product line is predictably called Hitman Cannabis, is being produced by Premier Grow, and is expected to appear in dispensaries this summer. 
it promises to be knockout smoke for heavy hitters. Final story. The question of the day is, how do you reuse a product? You reuse an old beverage container by refilling it. You reuse an old newspaper by putting it on the bottom of the birdcage. And you can reuse old news by rearranging the words and putting a new title on the story. But how does one reuse an airport? Well, you fill it with cannabis plants, obviously. Marquette County Airport in Michigan's Upper Peninsula hasn't been in operation in years, but it's about to be home to 10,000 square feet of cannabis plants, according to a representative of the Keweenaw Bay Indian community, which owns the property. Well, they've got it all figured out, including what they're going to grow. Mr. Loonsfoot, the representative, claims the tribal entity is going to grow Michigan's strongest strain of cannabis, tested at 36.58% THC and containing 44 recognized cannabinoids. The plan is to sell the product to Upper Peninsula facilities. Phase two of the build-out will see the tribe expand to 40,000 square feet of cultivation space. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. And finally, a new study into cannabis-related content online. It finds that the plant is portrayed rather positively on TikTok. The study from the Drug and Alcohol Review Journal looked at cannabis-related videos that garnered at least 100 million views on the platform. And the researchers found humor and entertainment videos made for most of the canna content on TikTok, followed by themes like experiences, lifestyle, how-to, and creativity. The study also found more than half of videos portrayed cannabis use positively, also noting that none were age-restricted. So while creators and influencers may be struggling with some social media platforms, it seems others may be ready to embrace the power of the plant. And after all, it's a whole new world of weed out there but remember to use it wisely. And we'll see you next time for Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, my name's Kai Chang. I'm the president and founder of Aloha Green Apothecary in Hawaii. We're a vertically integrated medical cannabis company with three dispensaries, uh, one extraction lab, and one cultivation center near the North Shore of Oahu. We have over 150 employees now, and we've been working with Adaptive HR to meet our, meet our human resource needs. We're super excited to work with them as we expand, and we've grown uh, at least two, three times over the last two years. So we look forward to a good relationship with Adaptive, and uh, come visit us in Hawaii anytime. Aloha. Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of Pro Cannabis Media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area, now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. Difference is building a solution 
for that individual. Not just a custom, here's a box, here's a video, here's how you make your VMS. We custom design and custom build every situation for exactly what the customer needs. And we keep the cost low. We have multiple tiers, you know, as far as what you're looking at on the cost side of things. If you want a one-time, you know, where you just pay one initial cost, we have that. If you want to maintain your system and have the highest protection and highest capabilities and highest upgrades at all times, we have different plans for you. But we scale it so it's scalable and affordable 100%. Hey, you want to grow your own plants? Check out Style Lighting's Grow Kit. It has everything you need to become an expert home grower and bring the power of the sun indoors. Style Lighting uses TCP's high-powered commercial LEDs that deliver twice the output in the market. The Grow Kit has a grow bag, a timer, chains to hang the light, and of course the best-in-the-business lighting system by TCP. Check out stylelighting.shop for more information. Pro Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at Pro Cannabis Media, on Instagram at Pro Cannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at Pro Cannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on Pro Cannabis Media, Twitter at Pro Media, and on twitch.tv backslash Pro Cannabis Media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are Pro Cannabis Media.